morning, Vietnam. <laughs> it's Leah. It's also Alexis. We're still here. Don't worry. Uh, if you missed us, I don't know why. <laughs> um, so today is October 30th. I know. Halloween is tomorrow. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? I don't know. Um, tomorrow is Halloween. We are excited. I'm being RBG. I do not have a costume. Because yeah. Alexis hates fun. No, it's just that, like, because last year we went all out. You know, I had two different costumes. We went to four different Halloween parties. You know, it was very exciting and fun. But now it's like we're not really doing much. So I didn't really feel like I'm also unemployed. So I didn't really feel like spending money I don't have on a costume that like you're literally going to wear for one night. Literally. Also, it's good that we're not doing anything. You should not be doing anything. And by anything, we mean going to parties. If you're going to a party, you suck. You deserve prison time. Um, Even though we don't believe in prisons. (laughs) We will be all cozy and warm indoors small intimate gathering with like i don't know pumpkins and the hassan minhaj um zoom thing that special i don't know i don't know what he's doing but i know that i love him (laughs) so i will be tuning we will be tuning in in love with him yeah but besides hearing about our relatively mundane halloween plans we have so much to talk about so much news Voting in general, so get ready. Yeah, so let's get started. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The news. The news. Um, so it's been a week. Do you want me to... Do you want me to start us off? Yes, start us off. All right. So Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed on Monday to be the 115th justice on the Supreme Court. So she was first confirmed by a unanimous vote of the Senate Judiciary Committee. She was then voted in the actual Senate. I believe the numbers were 5248. Um, the only Republican senator that didn't vote for her was Sus- was Susan Collins of Maine. Um, but she's going to get voted out anyway, so I guess she did one last thing, one last good thing, possibly her first good thing. Um, so she is the first Supreme Court justice to not graduate from Harvard or Yale. That's actually very interesting. And she's claimed that she won't be legislative from the bench. So a quote from her is the policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches elected by and accountable to the people. This is obviously not going to be true. Um, I can't wait. Um, Now that we have a 6-3 conservative majority in the Supreme Court, what do you think is going to go first? Gay marriage? I'm thinking... Roe v. Wade? Healthcare? I don't know. I'm thinking that it's the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Because I think they can argue that that's not, like, I feel like they can find a way to make it less political. Yeah. So stock up on your birth control. Yeah. Um, Get your abortions (laughs) while you can. Yeah, get them in. Get that punch card going at the local Planned Parenthood um, before it's too late. 
Some cheery news is the Supreme Court ruled that ballots are allowed to have extensions in Pennsylvania and North Carolina. So this is the second time that the court has heard something brought by the Republican Party um, to try. So this one in particular is trying to stop a three-day extension for counting absentee ballots that was in Pennsylvania. And then the case from North Carolina uh, allowed ballots to be received by November 12th, as long as they were submitted on Election Day. So this is good for voting rights. Um, This means that if you send your ballot in on time, it will be counted as it should. Um, And it also just means that absentee ballots that are going to be counted because a lot of people aren't voting in person due to the coronavirus. Something that's interesting is the new justice, who was just approved on Monday, did not participate in ruling in either of the cases um, because she believed that she didn't have time to review the case and that it needed a prompt resolution. Interesting. Um, This is also interesting because Pennsylvania County asked her to recuse herself from the case and then she's like, I'm not going to participate. I don't know enough about it. And then they like withdrew their refusal. They were like, this is awkward for everyone involved. Um, However, this is just like a pre-election ruling. So after the election, this could all change. Something else interesting, um, Kavanaugh, who I refuse to put justice in front of, uh, wrote an opinion dissenting that people said was full of factual errors. I'm shocked. I'm taken aback. That's so shocking. Like, I can't believe it, honestly. Ugh. That's how I feel. I don't even... The news is exhausting. (laughs) What is happening to our Supreme Court? The, like, highest position of our government is just, like, eroding and disintegrating, and it makes me so sad. Like, before our very eyes, too. Yeah. It's also so funny how I feel like when Kavanaugh... I guess there was just more around Kavanaugh, you know, because of the whole, like, hearings and everything. But, like, it seems like, like, Amy Coney Barrett was just kind of, like, forced through a confirmation process by, like, Mitch McConnell and co. And, like, obviously, yes, people are talking about it, but I feel like it's not even, like... Like... Literally, all the news sources were, like, she's gonna get approved, there's nothing we can do, please vote. Just move, like... They're, like, yeah, just move on. It's like, oh. And people have been, I've been seeing this like repost on Instagram and it's like women in positions of power isn't inherently good if those women in power use their power to oppress other women. Yeah. Have you seen that thing that's like, do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power? Okay. Some more bad news. Um, so France and Germany have announced new lockdowns to combat COVID. So in France, there's a national lockdown. Um, that's going to last at least a month from now. So businesses that are non-essential will close. Germany is also doing a one-month shutdown that's starting on November 2nd. So what is that, Tuesday? Um, so hotels are not allowed to host tourists and gatherings are limited from to 10 people from two households. So these are so France and Germany are Europe's two biggest economies and it's likely to have some sort of domino effect on other countries. Um, so this is basically kind of showing the second wave of COVID in Europe, um, which is actually very interesting because Europe did really have it under control. I mean, like we saw in Italy back in like, you know, March and April, they were really struggling, but then they came around cause they had actual like, you know, policies put in place, wasn't a political issue. 
Imagine that life. I think it really goes to show, which a lot of health experts have been saying, like, we can't go back to normal until we figure out, like, a vaccine and are able to distribute it widely. Until then, we are going to have to alter our life significantly to live with coronavirus. And while I am terrified of a second wave, it's almost inevitable at this point. We're on our third wave in the U.S. Jesus. Like, I don't know if we're... Although... I think that the, like, it makes sense. In Europe, there is a second wave. Like, there was a lot of cases, then they were down, but then there's more cases again. Okay, that makes sense. It's a wave. In the U.S., it's like, they're like, oh, we're on our, like, third wave, but it's like, it's like not, like, we never had it under control to begin with. Yeah, it just keeps going up. Yeah. (laughs) I just feel, I, I feel like it's very clear that we are doing something wrong because if other countries are able to have this under control and are able to handle it, we are doing something wrong. And like, I feel like even BU is a really good example. If people were being, like were able to receive testing at the rate which BU students and faculty are able to receive testing, coronavirus would be under way more control. I wouldn't, uh, it's not even just testing though. It's also like, there's kind of this attitude in America that I think is very unique in which everything is a political issue and everything is like because you have this whole thing american freedoms and everything so people are like no it's my right to go into a store it's my right to you know have my business open it's my right not to wear a mask like it this is a free country like the way that they kind of weaponize the notion of freedom you know what i mean and i think that is one of the reasons and also with trump's rhetoric that just kind of reinforces that like and how the economy has been put on a higher pedestal than the people for a very, very long time in many different facets of life. But now, especially with COVID, it's like there, the reason why it's so much worse in America is a very layered problem. But it just at the end of the day, it comes down to American exceptionalism and how we think we're immune to fucking everything. So speaking of the decline of America being exceptional, um, people are buying guns at alarming rates. I think this is the scariest story on here. So people who are buying lines, this is like bipartisan. This is people who have never owned guns before. Um, FBI data shows that sales spiked earlier this year as fears about the virus spread. Guns are being sold to more black Americans, women, and like I said, first time gun owners. There's a lot of reasons why, like, gun sales are going up. One of them is just, like, anxiety about coronavirus. Another one is anxiety about the Black Lives Matter movement. So whether it's people are anxious about the idea of defunding the police and, like, feel like they need guns to protect themselves. Or, on the flip side, people who are participating slash support the Black Lives Matter movement feel like the police aren't there to protect them and need arms to protect themselves from the police or other groups of people who don't like them, I guess is like the way that I could say that. So there's just a lot of anxiety right now in the nation. We were actually talking about this in my economics class. Like, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store recently, but like leading up to the election, shelves have been emptying. Like, people are just anxious. People are buying more things. People are stocking up on guns. There's fear that, like, a civil war will break out and that you, like, need to be armed to protect yourself in the breakout of a civil war. And I'm not... I think what's interesting is that gun sales are across party lines because that's something that you wouldn't expect, especially because of, like, 
the outcry for more gun control usually on the left side. Something that I want to say about this is like, personally, I support gun control. I think that guns should be controlled in this nation. I don't think that guns should be outlawed. This is kind of the similar case with drugs. Just because you outlaw something doesn't mean that the demand for it goes away. So it's better to have something regulated and legal than to have something illegal and under the black market. And I think that you would find a lot of like left politicians who also think the same thing. There's very few people who support completely banning guns. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. People who do support completely banning guns, you really need to consider whether you want a legal safe mechanism for purchasing guns or for it to completely shift to the black market. I'm not ignorant enough to think that there's no black market sale of weapons, but if you make something illegal, it will completely shift to the black market. Yeah. I also support, you know, guns are something, are a political issue that is very complicated. Because on one hand, I'm like, no, I understand. Especially if you are black in America, like arming yourself, you know, like I think it's a very good thing. I also know that gun control disproportionately affects um, people of color, especially black people in, um, you know, urban urban centers. Things like, you know, like the gang violence, like that is who is gone after with gun control. And I understand that it's flawed. But then you also have something like you have things like school shootings and like the far right radical terrorism domestic. Then it's just like it's like, you know, I don't support banning guns at all. Um, I do believe in gun control, but I think it's a very slippery slope where we can dive into like racism. Ah, shocker. Shocker. Even like the concept of mental illness, like the idea of like banning Banning someone who has a mental illness from purchasing a firearm, when you hear that out of context, it's like, okay, that makes sense. But like, are we classifying depression as a mental illness? Are we classifying anxiety about a mental illness? What if it's you have treatment for your mental illness? Then are you allowed to get a gun? Okay, but treatment isn't available to everyone because treatment costs money. So is that going to disproportionately affect low-income people with mental illnesses? Hint, yes. So like- The legislation of guns is not something that's easy, and I think a lot of times we want to think it's easy, but it's more than just background checks. It's more than just limiting the types of guns that's purchased. You really have to think about who is owning these firearms and what is the purpose of owning them, and that's really the only way that you can ah, make effective drug legislation. Drug? Whoa, gun. Right. So our final story, um, so protests have broken out in Philadelphia after the death of yet another black man, Walter Wallace Jr. So authorities claim that he had a knife. Okay, we've heard it before and we'll hear it again. Um, So basically, the shooting was caught on video by a bystander and this video shows Walter Wallace Jr. walking into the street as people yell and then two police officers aim their gun at him or their guns. And then Wallace walks towards them, they move backwards, and then the camera points towards the ground and about a dozen shots are heard. Um, This is a black man, as I said before, with mental health issues. Um, And, you know, it just raises a lot of questions. Like, number one, why did they, why were there a dozen shots? Why, like, okay, first of all, again, tasers are like a thing, non-lethal way to 
you know, control someone, get someone down. Number one. Number two, why were 12 shots fired? 12. Um, and it, like, it just follows this trend, obviously, of police brutality of black people, notably black men across the board, but especially those with mental health issues, um, especially more severe mental health issues in which they might not be cognitive and really understand what's happening. They might be confused. They might just be kind of lost or something. And the fact that it just always ends in death by shooting is really abhorrent, obviously. Um, so when asked about this, Joe Biden did the thing that Joe Biden does where he's like, well, it's bad, but like, stop looting. And it's like, okay. Um, also an interesting point that was brought up today in my election class is that now, since there's all these protests, very violent protests in Philadelphia, I mean, like as there should be, um, so close to the election, um, people are wondering like, are polling locations going to be open by Tuesday? Are the protests going to stop? Are people going to be able to vote? Because if Philadelphia isn't able to vote, Pennsylvania is 100% going to go red, um, which really throws off the entire Electoral College because Pennsylvania is one of the states that can determine the entire country. Um, so I think that that is like a really scary like side effect of this. I feel like this instance of another example of police brutality really supports like the concept of defunding the police and just to like explain what defunding the police is it's the idea of taking money from like police officers and the police institution as a whole and investing it in other programs one of these programs is mental health officials so in an instance if someone feel like felt like they needed to call someone they wouldn't pick up the phone and they would wouldn't call the police but they would call a mental health official who would be able to come and de-escalate the situation and make sure that not only walter wallace jr felt safe but also that the individuals in the community felt safe and i think that this just goes to show that police officers do not have the training that they need to be able to deal with people who have mental illnesses. It's very clear. And there's numerous other instances where mental health officials would be better at de-escalating the situation than police officers. Another common case that's cited is domestic abuse. So like, like a woman will call, or a man, or someone who's non-binary, will call a police officer because they're being abused or they're trying to run away from their abuser is the most likely case and what happens is the police officer comes and actually escalates the situation and then leaves and then leaves <laughs> and then they leave so once again a mental health official would be able to better act in that situation and the thing is is like there's spectrums of the defund the police movement there's some people who believe that we don't need police ever there's some people who believe that like that money should just be shifted and then there's some people who believe that like we don't need police there could be an institution that's a lot smaller that does what we traditionally think of police officers needing to do so for example dealing with like a very very violent murderer that they're chasing through town you do need to be armed with a gun. But if you look at the cases that police officers are routinely handing, handling, they're not chasing a Ted Bundy through the town. Like, that's just not the normal instances in daily society of what police officers are doing. I would say, based off of just common knowledge, I would say that around 95% of what police officers do is essentially worthless um, because there's this trend where there will be a situation 
police officers will show up, do nothing, and leave, and then never follow up. We're talking about robberies, domestic, you know, abuse or violence situations, rape kits, etc. They just show up and either do nothing or make things worse, and then they leave. And then I guess something else that I wanted to touch on is, like, what Alexis mentioned about, like, what um, former Vice President Biden said. And he basically said, like, looting is not protest. It is a crime. It draws attention from the real tragedy of a life cut short. I just want to say this again. Do not tell black people how to feel their pain. Yes. Should I say it again? Like, do I need to repeat it? Like, I don't see what people don't understand about this is if you suppress a group long enough, they're going to explode. To quote former President John F. Kennedy, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. And I'm not claiming that those in Philadelphia are trying to do a political revolution of the United States. But, you know, if the shoe fits... And it's come to a point where you might be asking yourself, okay, well, what could have been done differently? There's multiple instances of black people being shot and justice not being served. That's one thing that could have been done differently. We could have already been diverting money into mental health resources earlier. This problem was allowed to build up, and this is the result of that. Well... What's really awesome about a problem like this is that um, it's actually never going to change. So, yeah. Um, That's all I have to say on that. Um, But I think we can move on to a lighter and better subject. Voting. Which is something that you can actually do to change the system. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah. I like one. You want to talk about a system that hasn't changed? Let's talk about voter suppression. I'm going to do a little history lesson briefly. Okay. First, what is voter suppression? Okay. Basic definition it's when. Your people are trying to stop other people from voting. Okay, this happens in a myriad of different ways. So I'm going to give us a little history lesson. Surprise, it's racist. So in 1870, the 15th Amendment was passed um, following the Civil War, following um, the abolishment of slavery, and following the 14th Amendment, which established that everyone born in the United States is a citizen, right? So the 15th Amendment was passed five years following the Civil War during the Reconstruction period in which, as I said, those three amendments were passed to give um, recently freed black people more rights. So the 15th Amendment specifically said that you cannot discriminate someone and stop them from voting based on the color of their skin. Obviously, we know that women did not get the right to vote for 50 years later. Little fun fact, it's 150 years since this amendment was passed and 100 years since the 20th amendment, the 19th amendment, the 19th amendment was passed. So it's a big year for voting, big historic year. But anyways, so this amendment was passed. Black people could vote. Huge expansion of the electorate, okay? And obviously, racist people wanted to suppress the newly enfranchised black population. So they installed all these things, poll taxes. So basically, you would have to pay to vote. 
grandfather clauses. So they were like, well, you can only vote if your grandfather could vote. In which, obviously, for, you know, if you were a free black man, perhaps in the North, maybe your grandfather was able to vote. But for most people in the South, obviously that was not true because their grandfathers were slaves. Literacy tests as well, um, which was a big thing because... Obviously, if for hundreds of years, um, everyone that you know and you yourself were prevented from learning how to read and write, obviously you won't be able to read and write. Um, so that's what they kind of call like the Jim Crow era, you know. If you you've never forward. taken a literacy test, Google an old one. They're not what you think of as like a, like one of them. I took one and it's like circle all the periods circle all the a's in this passage yeah they're quite complicated like they're mun mundane's not the right word but i mean I, it is it's not testing it's it's clearly suppression when you take these exams it's not really about whether you can read or not which shouldn't be a requirement nonetheless it's about how can we prevent a certain group of people from voting exactly so these continued blah 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 even with the you know the in 1965 the voting rights act was passed which was like intended to abolish these things which it did but luckily enough we actually have some new and quirky forms of voter suppression so we have things like you know gerrymandering was there and gerrymandering is still here which is cool basically if you don't know what gerrymandering is it's when people redraw di district lines to gain political power they tend to put all of the people that will vote one way in this area and then you know blah 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 that's a form of voter suppression because similar to electoral college which we'll get into it's taking importance out of people's votes the burning of ballot drop-off boxes. This is a very recent thing we've been hearing about. Recently happened in Copley Square um, with the whole increasing voting by mail thing. A lot more people are dropping off their ballots in boxes. They're not voting in person. Since there's like a pandemic and everything, there have been fake ballot drop-off boxes, which we discussed in a prior episode. People are burning them. People are stealing ballots. Voter ID laws, basically, it's just like you have to have a... Um, like a government photo ID when you vote. Um, voter intimidation, um, which was actually encouraged by Trump. He was like, yeah, go stand at the polls and just stare people down and intimidate them because that's natural. Um, and also like when polling locations close, especially this happens a lot in like big cities. There's less polling locations, which means more people have to be at these polling locations, which means there's longer lines. This is how people end up standing in line for 13 hours just to cast their ballot, which is disgusting. Um, so clearly we can see a direct link from 1870 and the passage of the 15th Amendment and in an attempt to suppress the black vote to voter suppression now, which still heavily affects black people. It also affects other populations as well. Um, other people of color, other marginalized communities. One of the grossest examples of voter suppression, and this one's sneaky. See, some of these are really blatantly obvious. Like, if you close polling locations, lines are going to be longer. People leave lines. Voter ID laws. Now, the argument for voter IDs laws is voter fraud, which is often used as the argument for voter suppression suppression tactics but fun fact you are more likely to get killed by a vending machine than for voter fraud to take place don't believe me the aclu reported that 13 people last year were killed by a vending machine and from 
and the number of voter fraud cases per year average about 2.21. Let that sink in. Yeah. So what are voter ID laws, you ask? Basically, they require that you have a certain type of government-issued ID to vote. Okay, government-issued IDs are freeze. What's the issue? One, access. When are these offices open? Are they open during business hours? Great, that means low-income people can't take time off work because they can't, they can't miss their hour-to-hour job to go get an ID. Or it's really, really far away. How are they going to get there? Does public transportation take them there? Nope, guess they're not getting an ID. Let's get into hidden costs. Oftentimes, to obtain a government document, you need things like your social security number. Not everyone has their entire social security number memorized, so you have to go and request an official slip of paper from the government for them to give you your social security number. And guess what? That costs money. And you need your social and security number a lot of times to obtain a government-issued ID. So the bottom line is they're using the guise of voter fraud, which does not exist. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't exist to suppress people from voting. And I know what you're thinking. Well, voter fraud could happen in the future. Sure, it could happen in the future, but we already have safety measures in place that don't suppress people's right to vote to ensure that voter fraud doesn't take place. I would like to talk a little bit about voter ID laws again, um, because I actually wrote a little discussion board post like two days ago about this because I, I read this article for class and it was called Jim Crow 2.0, Why States Consider and Adopt Restrictive Voter Access Policies. And it was talking about what I just described, basically the link from 1870 to now. And, um, you know, studies have found over and over and over again, these things are racially motivated. Um, but there's this quote from conservative bigwig Dennis Prager of Prager U fame. This man is a steaming sack of shit, if you weren't aware. Um, But basically, he was quoted as saying, It is hard to imagine a more demeaning statement about black America than labeling demands that all voters show a photo ID is anti-black. And I would just like to discuss that for a second, kind of just regurgitating what I wrote 48 hours ago, which is that, of course, you can't assume that no black people have a photo ID. Like, it's, you can't assume that all black people are poor and uneducated and deprived of resources and can't go get a photo ID. Obviously, you can't assume that. But when disproportionately, over and over again, it has been shown that systematic barriers to access, to blah, 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 everything that Leah just stated, when it has been shown that black people are less likely to be able to do these things, it is clearly not, you're not saying, oh, all black people can't get a photo. It's not related. Take, for example, voter um, felon dis- disenfranchisement, which is also a form of voter suppression that we haven't really touched on. Basically, prisoners not being able to vote. Okay. You can't say, well, you're assuming that all black people are prisoners or ex-felons. Obviously, that's fake. Obviously, that's not true. No one is saying that. But you can see how through things like over-policing, mandatory minimum sentencing, the war on drugs, racism, that black people disproportionately make up a larger portion of the prison population, which means that they are more affected by voter felon disenfranchisement than white people. And it's just so aggravating, this justification for voter suppression. You know, 
it's also, again, no one is saying that all black people are poor. No one is saying that. No one is saying that all minorities are poor. But the way that our society is structured, and this is broader than just the United States. Like, I know we focus on the United States a lot, but just more broadly based, it tends to be the case that low-income people are not white people. Yep. And there's historic reasons. This goes all the way back to, like, British colonization, if you really want to go that yeah. far. Once again, no one is saying that no white people aren't poor. No one is saying that voter suppression only affects black people. Voter suppression affects poor white people. This is, a, this is an issue that affects all races. If you're a poor white person living in a rural America, this affects you. You might not think it does at the surface level, but it does. Yeah, although it is mostly racially motivated. But yeah, it affects poor white people. Because it's also like, if you are, live in a big city, right? And you live in a low-income area, which low-income areas tend to be minority-heavy because of... XYZ, cyclical poverty. That's my favorite phrase. Uh, whatever. Um, but if you're if you are poor and you're white and you also live in these areas, your vote is also being suppressed because even though they're targeting the black people, they don't care about they don't care about you as a little you know, little like oh that sucks. Like yeah, we get all the black people, but yeah, just suppress a few white people. But like that's fine, you know. I think we have to move into talking about the electoral college which I naively used to support, and I no longer do, but we can get into that. First, I think we need to explain what the Electoral College is in the simplest terms possible. We're going to give it a go. Wish us the best of luck. So basically, states in the U.S. are assigned electorates. Electors. Electors. Why did I say electorates? I don't know. That was kind of a fun word. Based on their population. You with me so far? We have 538 of these baddies. So, if a state has a larger population, it has... More electors. Thank you, Alexis. Now, what is important to note about this is that the electors go based on the popular vote. But something that's interesting is let me give you the case. Let's just use California, for example. Okay, this is not true numbers, but let's just say it is. Let's say California has 10 people, okay, that are supposed to represent them. Let's say 60% of California votes for Joe Biden, but 40% votes for Trump. All of those electors are going to cast their ballot for Biden. Because that's just the way that the system Winner works. takes all, baby. The reason that this is flawed is, I mean, California is like an overwhelmingly blue state, so it's, it's not as contentious. But if you look at other states where the race is really, really close. Pennsylvania. The winner takes all method is really harmful because what it does is it silences the minority. Yeah, and see, so we'll get into why the Electoral College is still a thing and who likes it. But, like, the Republicans defend the absolute fuck out of the Electoral College, and it's all about, like, I don't know, wanting to fuck James Madison or something. But I don't think they realize, 
Like, the reason that they like the Electoral College is that in states like Texas and Florida, Pennsylvania, historically, like, Michigan and Wisconsin and, like, places like that, um, Republicans will tend to win the Electoral College from a very slim margin of the popular vote. Um, But the thing is, is that if you are a Republican and you live in California, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Virginia, XYZ, your vote is, like, also being suppressed. You know what I mean? The Electoral College is bad. Like, it affects both... Like, it affects Democrats living in Florida as much as it affects Republicans living in California. And I don't understand why pe- why they don't kind of, like, grasp that. Um, like, I hate, I hate the Electoral College, okay? It's also really interesting. I listened to a daily episode. I'm a slut for Michael Barbaro. We know this. Basically, the Electoral College hasn't received a lot of backlash because for many, 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 many years, it was matching the popular vote. So people weren't angry because it was reflecting the popular vote. So it it made sense. It was like, okay, it's matching what the popular vote is. But we've seen in past elections, most notably 2016, it didn't follow the popular vote. Yeah. And so now people are like, this isn't representing the nation. And it's you, and the reason that it didn't follow the popular vote is, again, that winner-takes-all method. So if you have a contentious state where the percentages are really close, the higher percentage is going to win all of the electorate. Except for Maine and the other one. Is it Nebraska? Maine and I knew it. Maine and Nebraska don't use the winner-take-all system. So, like, one electoral vote is awarded to the presidential candidate who wins the popular vote, and then two are awarded to the candidate receiving the most votes statewide. So sometimes, like, if you look at, um, like, an electoral map prediction, and you'll see striped states, Maine and Nebraska, because they divide up their districts, um, which is actually very, that's a very good system. It's not as good as the direct popular vote but like whatever um because here in america i don't know if you knew this land actually votes the people don't vote the land votes your electors are actually just a bunch of rivers mountains and valleys you know because states rights you know okay so you might be asking yourself why if voter suppression is bad does it exist because republicans hate voting that's why Let's read some quotes, Alexis. That's why. Um, Addison Mitchell McConnell, my favorite senator, um, the one with the rotting hands. Did you see that? I did not see that. His hands have, like, recently turned black. Um, Maybe it's I th- because he's pure evil. I, th- I really think it's RBG, like, you know, doing her work. Um, but Mitch McConnell said, if we make Election Day a holiday, Democrats will win. Trump then echoed this by saying... Republicans would never be elected again if it was easier to vote. Huh. I don't think that's true. I think some Republicans would still be elected. But the larger message is that because there are more registered Democrats than Republicans in the U.S., they want to suppress Democratic voters. And if you look at the makeup of Democratic voters, often it's low-income people. Often it's non-white people. So as a result, they suppress those groups. It's not, it's, this is, none of this is by accident. This is a planned, yeah. coordinated effect. So if you're sitting and you're like, God, it's so institutionalized. And what, this, this has been happening for years. Yeah, see, 
districts don't end up looking like a bunch of puzzle pieces, like, on accident. Like, gerrymandering is a very calculated political tool. The closing of certain polling locations, the fake ballot boxes, the voter ID laws, the limited early voting periods, the shortened hours of polling lo- er, locations. I keep saying polling locations, voting locations. This is done on, this is like done on purpose. And something that I just want to say is like, I know that this is like really, really sad and I know we're not making it any happier, but like there is anti-electoral college efforts. But most importantly, what I want to talk about is the case of Oregon. So majority of voters in Oregon actually vote by mail. And this was passed by referendum by the people. If you don't know what know what referendum is, that's okay. But basically what it means is that the people petitioned the legislature and were like, we want to vote by mail. We're telling you to make it happen. And if you don't, we're going to vote you out. So vote by mail happened. Oregon also has automatic voter registration. So when you get your driver's license, you're registered to vote. This prevents voter fraud that so many people talk about. Yeah. Um, so this is a good thing, once again, because people are automatically registered to vote. So they don't have to me- remember a deadline. And they automatically mail a ballot to where it says on your driver's license. Yeah. And I think that um, something that we can also talk about in terms of like voter registration is there are certain things where they kind of make it a little bit more difficult. Like, so in Massachusetts, you can register to vote completely online. You are able to register your like, um, you're able to like ask for a ballot to vote by mail online unless you don't have a massachusetts id i'm talking about yeah i'm talking about people that are registered to vote in massachusetts i'm registered to vote in massachusetts and i had to mail a form to register to vote and i would have to mail a form to request a mail-in ballot okay anyways if you have a massachusetts id you're able to do all this stuff online um but like in other states like for me i'm registered to vote in connecticut i had to mail in my application for a ballot so it's kind of like state by state and those are also like two very blue states i can only imagine the hoops you have to jump through in like south carolina or like louisiana um also like to this point when i got my id i at the dmv they asked me like do you want to register to vote and i was like yes i do i was only 17 i was like let's go getting it in early um but like in other states you actually have to like it's a completely separate process. And it's one of those things where there's a lot of stringent deadlines. And this is also related to voter suppression because it's like they're trying to get, they're trying to like, they're using these bureaucratic, like really complicated systems to kind of get you to give up, you know? Because you have to mail in like so many things that they're just, they kind of expect you to be like, oh, I don't really care that much and not vote. And I think that just goes to show how important your vote is. Because if your vote didn't matter, why go through the effort of suppressing it? Yeah. Why? It doesn't make any sense. So, like, with that in mind, the election is four days away. And if you haven't already voted, I haven't voted yet, make a voting plan and share it with people around you because it holds you accountable. For example, Alexis, I'm going to go vote early at 1 p.m. at Boston City Hall on Friday. See, and then now if she texts me at 1 p.m. and asks me what I'm doing 
and I say I'm laying in bed, she's gonna say, Go vote, you lazy bitch. Or she, like, just might be like, Hey, I thought you said you were gonna go vote. You're gonna go vote. Wait, what? That's crazy. And it's not too late. I know that you're like, it's four days away. I messed up. I got distracted by life. It happens to the best of us. Maybe you're not constantly reading the New York Times like Alexis and I, and that's okay. And if that's the case, 21 states and D.C. have same-day voter registration. This is great news. Massachusetts does not. Which is weird, but, like, we don't have to get into that right now. But basically, if you live in these 21 states, check. Just literally Google it and see if there's same-day voter registration. And you can still vote. And in light of the pandemic, a lot of states are doing early voting that haven't done it in the past. So take this opportunity to see if your state is doing early voting. And, like, it can be confusing, and I understand that, but Google is really helpful. I had a lot of questions. Like, I literally have a tab up on my computer, and it tells me where I can vote early based on the date. So, like, I looked up Friday, and it told me where I could vote early. Also, so you're not going to the polls blind, I looked up everything that was going to be on the ballot because I know... Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I know most things, you know, like I knew who I was going to vote for for the House and for the Senate and for President, but there's like an office of the registry of the probate, Yeah, it's called. The registrar of the probate, yeah. And basically, they actually decide a lot of really important things related to like divorce laws and like child custody. And I was able, the website that I found compared each three candidates and had their responses to questions Mm -hmm. so i was able to pick who i wanted to vote for yeah luckily um as i said before i'm registered in connecticut i live in a small little baby town so like i already knew who i was voting for for everything um just because name recognition i mean like i didn't i didn't i also didn't have to vote on any like issues like i know that like in massachusetts people are voting on ranked choice voting which you should vote yes to ranked choice voting because it's a very good thing um but like i didn't have to it was literally just a bunch of names my ballot was also yellow and thick it was very bizarre i don't know what year connecticut lives in but everything just seems to be a little ornate there um but i had to tell my mom who is voting for the first time this year ever wow i know i don't know why she wasn't voting before and this woman is 42 years old anyways um i texted her and i was like hey you're voting in person i would just make sure that you know everyone's name and like who you want to vote for because it's very easy to look up it you know obviously if you're voting by mail you can just like have google and google their names while you're doing it but if you're going to the polls you can't just like really pull out your phone and start doing some high yeah i have mine on like a little post-it note that i'm going to take in and also just like being extra cautious because voter suppression is a thing so like when i go to vote in person on friday i'm bringing my passport my driver's license and my buid yeah you kind of got to do the thing that you do when you go to the dmv which is bring your entire mailbox and everything that could ever prove who you are because they're gonna try to stop you (laughs) like like you know when you go to the dmv and you have eight pieces of mail and they're like actually we need 17 of these and you're like, what? And you're like, what? Why? <laughs> Literally. The last time I went to the DMV, I didn't have my social security gar- card. So they made me go to my high school, which I had already graduated from, get a sealed and signed copy of my high school transcript and bring it to them. For what? I was like, I'm just trying to get my government ID. Come on. Come on, Come guys. on now. Anyway, so in summary, 
please, please, please vote. And if you feel like it's hard, they're doing that on purpose. But, you know, just overcome it. You can do it. We believe in you. We really, really do believe in you and the power you have. Again, they're suppressing your vote because they don't want you to vote. And what better way to say fuck you than to cast your ballot? If not for us, do it to piss off Mitch McConnell. Please. Please. We know you want to piss off We know that you've been bombarded every single time you open any app, any social media. Have you voted yet? Have you voted yet? Registered to vote. Registered to vote. I understand. I get annoyed too. I've been registered to vote for years. I voted weeks ago. I understand. It's annoying. But again, it's important. Democracy or whatever. And you can change some of the things that we so angrily talked about in the episode by voting. You don't like the justices that are being approved to the Supreme Court. Guess who approves them? Your senators. The people that you vote for. Yeah. And again, local politics and state politics is just as, if not more important, than voting for president. So please don't walk in not knowing who your senators are. If you don't know who your senators are, please look it up. You know your senators. Well, now I'm in mass. Yeah, but you know your Oregon senators. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Leo, (laughs) come on. Connecticut, we have Chris Murphy, Richard Blumenthal. I like them both. I like Chris Murphy a lot, actually. I get senators and representatives confused, so I, like, know the names, but I couldn't tell you, like, who's in the Senate and who's in the House of Representatives. And if you and the Massachusetts senators are Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey. That is correct. Yep. (laughs) Who I'm voting for. Yeah. And on that note, please shut up and start talking about voter suppression how much the electoral college is bad um and burning mitch mcconnell at the stake yep that's it